Welcome to the I-29 Moo U Dairy Podcast. I-29 Moo University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. On today's podcast, we are discussing maintaining or trading in silage pile facing equipment. I'm Heidi Carroll, SDSU Extension Livestock Stewardship Field Specialist. I'm joined by Fred Hall, Iowa State University Dairy Extension Specialist in Northwest Iowa. Hello, Fred. Greetings, Heidi and everybody. Uh, Kind of excited about uh, our discussion today with the folks uh, there in South Dakota. Uh, I think these maintenance and repair and uh, conversations on when the trade-in becomes the option, I think that's important and one of those things that I hear a lot from producers. We do have a team of equipment technicians and sales with us today from Farmers Implement and Irrigation in Brookings, South Dakota. Let's go around and introduce yourselves. We'll start off with Dave Carroll. Hi, I'm Dave Carroll from Brookings, South Dakota. I'm a technician here at Farmers Implement. I'm Zane Watson. I'm the sales manager for Farmers Implement and Irrigation out of Brookings and Watertown locations. I'm Nathan Hegg. I'm a salesman here at Farmers Implement in Brookings. I'm Keith Mack at the Watertown location, salesman for Farmers Implement and Irrigation. And I'm Mark Peterson. I'm a salesman out of the Brookings store for Farmers Implement and Irrigation. Gentlemen, to go ahead and get this kicked off, tell me what you see. Do you see a lot of facers or mostly bucket loaders uh, being used on these uh, big piles? Fred, I think uh, what I see most in the countryside from our large dairy type producers are that most of them, if not all of them, are using uh, silage facers to pull down the product that they're they're putting into their ration for the day. Um, When we get to some of the smaller operations, uh, we do see that they're picking at it with a bucket. Obviously, the small piles that are being produced by the the beef growers, uh, they're simply grabbing that with a bucket they don't uh, they don't have the size or scale of a pile to require uh, a face or an extension to pull down their product so as you see these machines uh, either you go out for a service call or they come in what do you service most and let's kind of focus on the facers since that's the the machine you're seeing most a lot of what we see is like patches to uh, the equipment, you know, sees the most abuse as far as, you know, getting jiggled or not getting hooked correctly to the equipment or something like that. Um, and then usually it's just the faceplate of the equipment that is getting attached to is where we see more problems from. So if the faceplate's the number one thing, what are a couple other things that you're seeing pretty routinely? I know like on the bucket side, you'll see like loader cylinders and, you know, grapple teeth and stuff like that get kind of bent up and, you know, because of all the ice and hard silage pack and stuff like that. That sounds good. If we think about those pieces of equipment, both the facers as well as the loader tractors, what are some of the average costs of some of those most common repairs that go along with those? That one's kind of hard to give a you know an estimated price because it depends on you know if you're using a loader tractor or a payloader or even a skid loader you know 
all of them are going to be a different price category for the bushings and cylinders and that kind of stuff. Let's look at it from another angle. Do you think that as far as a percent uh, over a year, uh, are we looking at the, you know, kind of a traditional three to 5% for repairs and maintenance, or are we looking higher than that? I think there again, I mean, a lot of it is really going to boil down to what the, what the customer is using. I mean, if we're talking about a payloader, for example, a lot of times you can operate that machine a lot uh, cheaper from a side of repairs on the cylinders and stuff because that machine's built for uh, a quarry. It's and and when we're using it in a livestock setting on a silage pile, a lot of times you're not using that piece of equipment up to its full potential. Uh, where if you start using a tractor and loader or a skid steer, then you're going to see uh, maybe a little bit more maintenance take place uh, to keep those units up because, you know, they're not, they don't have as heavy of a build as like a wheel loader would. So it all boils down to what size or scale of equipment the customer is using and the size of the operation. You made an interesting point as far as uh, using a, a payloader. I know we feed with an old Huff loader that's probably as old as I am. But uh, what, what's kind of the average lifespan of, say, a facer? Are we needing to put that into a 10-year replacement cycle? Or, or what do you recommend on that? From my perspective, Fred, in, in, in regard to your question, normally it would be my preference to have guys trading somewhere in that three to 4,000 hours. That seems to bring the best resale on the used market on this side. It gives enough spread where the smaller producers have an opportunity to upgrade their equipment, but getting the blast of, of the new shiny paint. It also gives us an opportunity to look over the machine and to update it per se, if you will, taking care of small minor repairs versus having a train wreck at 7,500 hours and the reconditioning amount just gets astronomical. Let's consider, you know, you're an owner. Let's stick with a facer. Uh, give me a couple of things that uh, an owner needs to do to prolong the life of that machine put another year in there between trading it's been my experience over the years most people want to first hit equipment with a water hose it's been my experience over the years that if we double back and we use an air hose clean debris away from engines moving parts service air filters, clean cab filters, keep debris out of the cab, keep cables and hoses and whatnot free of all debris as much as you possibly can. I think that that prolongs the, the, the life of any machine. Uh, the more debris that's packed in, the less opportunity you have to see small oil leaks before they're huge, uh, more opportunity for fire, things of that nature. Just good, solid cleaning practices, I guess, with air. 
and that would pertain to any equipment, including your facer, Fred. Do you guys see a seasonality when people are trying to maybe trade in or, or purchase new equipment for their silage pile? Is there a time they can kind of capitalize and maybe get the best value? There again, I would I would say in that three to thirty five hundred hours. Obviously, when you're talking about beef operations and cattle operations in general, sometimes beef operation is seasonal. As far as income, larger operations have monthly cash flow. To say that there's one time of the year that's better versus others would probably be a fallacy. It's more so an hour thing for me. Obviously, right now we're very busy in the midst of doing year end. However, if I'm if I'm a dairy and I've got uh, monthly cash flow and, and and my machine just hit 3,500 hours, I really wouldn't care if it was July or January. And on top of that, I mean, silage season really kicks off when you start cutting the first round of haylage, especially in the dairy world. Every 21 days or so after first cutting of hay, um, we're chasing silage choppers. So you could say that for about the entire growing season, all the way through maybe the first two weeks of uh, combine harvest, even when they're trying to finish up some some earlage, uh, we're chopping seasons probably the longest harvest season that we have in in this part of the world. So choppers and any kind of silage type equipment can be a year round type market for that sort of stuff. I think as we are wrapping up uh, today's podcast, we'd be negligent if we didn't talk a little bit about uh, safety around that silage pile. You know, it's disheartening when a couple times every year we find a story about somebody got caught under an avalanche of silage, a lot of weight, no chance to escape once it starts happening i've even seen uh, big equipment that gets caught underneath something and by the time you get to the operator they're not always lucky enough to come out breathing so uh, very important to uh, make sure that as you are working that face you're keeping it smooth you're not using a bucket to to lift up and put air underneath it obviously that's a spoilage issue but that can be the instigator in an avalanche also so Heidi any other last comments no I think you hit the nail on the head all right with that we're happy to have all of you on for today's conversation about our silage pile facer equipment and for more of the shop's perspective Tune in to uh, the next episode of I-29 MUU Dairy. Be sure to check out the episode notes for more information from our sponsors. I-29 MUU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries. Go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.